0: Hello, friends. This is Nathan Powell. I co-host a brand new podcast called Dynasty Double Take with Dan Seno. We join the DLF family of podcasts with unique Dynasty arguments in a short 10 to 12 minute format. Dan and I love to debate Dynasty, and we hope you enjoy our banter as we discuss topics like trade offers, coaching, draft capital, and much, much more.
1: listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season.
2: Welcome back to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host this week, Matt Price. With me as always, Dan Myler and Ryan McDowell. This week, we are going to continue our cash stash or future trash exercise with the NFC and the AFC South. But before I get to that, I want to tell you guys you uh, will have an opportunity to get into the DLF Listener League. It is a best ball league that we started last year. It's a relegation league. So the bottom three scorers from last season have been kicked out of the league. And we've got three new spots for you guys. Very easy uh, to get a chance to get into this league all you have to do is follow all three of us me at matt price ff dan at dmiler 22 ryan at ryan mc23 and retweet a recent tweet from the dlf podcast account which you can follow at dlf podcast it's pretty obvious which one it is it's the most recent one and it talks about the listener league so do all four of those things and you will have a shot to get into the league and we'll make that announcement in a couple of weeks or so uh, all right, so let's get to it, guys. This week it's a little bit rough. Uh, <laughs> when we're looking at this a draft. Little. Uh, yeah, a, a little, little rough, Matt. Yeah, it's a little bit rough. This These were maybe not the best two divisions to combine, but here we are. Uh, the the mock draft at the end will be, be interesting, I guess. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but we're going to start in the NFC South with the Atlanta Falcons. A couple of picks here. Uh, The first one, Dan, you said you had lots of positive things to say about this one. So we'll start with you with Quadri Ollison, running back from Pittsburgh, 6'1", 228, taking in the fifth round with a 14th pick. Let's hear what you got, Dan.
0: You know, overall with the Falcons, I I think the takeaway for dynasty owners is that they avoided these positions until late in the draft. So I I feel good about the guys that they already have in place, the guys that we we have felt good about over the last few years in Atlanta, uh, specifically Ridley, Calvin Ridley. uh, They didn't add anybody with a, with a high enough draft pick that you feel like they're, they're looking to, to add talent or add that explosive playmaker. Maybe with Olison, there's just a, we need a little more competition. We need another guy in the backfield at running back um, because of the loss to Tevin Coleman. But overall, it feels to me like with the Falcons, they had other needs other than the skill positions, and it showed with their draft.
1: Yeah, they certainly did have other needs. I mean, the defense was, was terrible last year. Most of that was due to the, just the endless amount of injuries they had. So um, we can expect that to be improved. Not necessarily through the draft, but but specifically through some of these players getting healthy. I really like the Allison pick, actually, even though um, you know he's he comes off in the middle of the fifth round. I can see him getting a chance at, at carries this year, and I think that has more to do, or, or has as much to do with the guys in front of him right now as it does uh, as it does with him, but. Uh, 6'1", 228 like you mentioned Matt. He's, he's, he's a big bruiser. He took over for James Connor when Connor was out with, uh, with his cancer diagnosis and uh, didn't really we didn't really see much of a drop in that uh, Pittsburgh offense. So I feel like he does he can do things that Freeman and Edo Smith don't necessarily do uh, specifically in that kind of that power game. I can see Allison having a role this year.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. You know, he's got the size that Ito and and, uh, Devonta Freeman don't have. Ito Smith is a little guy, 5'9", 195 or so. Uh, Freeman, you know, a little bit shorter, a little bit heavier, like 5'8", 205, something like that. So definitely offers that goal line upside. Um, You know, Brian Hill is there still from Wyoming, who we liked a little bit uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, but uh, you know, I think he has a chance to carve out a small role. Maybe, maybe, maybe be frustrating, honestly, for Freeman owners and, and vulturing some touchdowns there. Uh, I, I have about the same same amount of confidence in him. I, th- I think the the, the one. Uh the one upside of for him and, and the rest of the running game, honestly, is that they took two offensive linemen in, in the first round, traded up to get back in uh, for the second one to take Caleb McGarry there at the end of the first round, and then Lindstrom, uh, a guard, uh, with their 14th pick. So I think that's that's that screams, uh, you know, like these this running. Uh, attack is going to be better than it was last year uh next guy ryan we'll go back to you six the sixth round the 30th pick marcus green from uh ul monroe 58 190 what do you know about this guy uh, not much <laughs> not much this is oh hold on hold on hold on hold on before we go there stash or future trash for, oh uh, for definitely
1: allison? uh definitely a stash for allison Stash. Yeah, Stash for sure. No, uh, Green is actually not a guy I was too familiar with. And kind of going back to what Dan was talking about, it seems like they are just happy with the status quo of uh, Julio Ridley and and Muhammad Sanu. Definitely no concerns with their top two. And and Sanu's been fine throughout his career. But I, I would have liked to have seen them spend an earlier pick on the on the wide receiver position. Yeah,
0: it seems like, if anything, they they might be looking for a slot guy, a guy that can roam in the middle of the field, maybe that quick guy, the Julian Edelman type that could fit into that offense. And maybe Marcus Green is that guy in preparation for this Uh, This episode of the podcast, I did a little bit looking on Marcus Green, and he he does kind of fit the profile. He's a small, shifty guy uh, used in the backfield in college as well. I don't know if that necessarily translates to the NFL. He didn't look like much of a route runner, more of a drag guy or a guy that uh, runs in straight lines than anything else. Um, Maybe he develops into something more than that. Uh, but I think at the very very most he is a guy that should be on the radar not not a guy that should be on rosters.
2: Yeah, it just seems like they're willing to roll with uh, obviously Ridley and Julio and then uh, and then the versatile. Um Muhammad Sanu there at the receiver position. UDFAs, there's one interesting guy here. I don't know if you guys agree or not. I won't read all of this list, but if you have one you'd like to point out, feel free. Uh, the guy that I'm a little bit interesting, interested in is – I'm going to totally butcher this, but Olamade Zacchaeus, I think is how you say his name Olamide Zacchaeus. you know he's a he he could fill that slot role if he can work on his hands his hands are a little bit of an issue but uh, he made a lot of big plays at Virginia um, out of that out of that slot position Uh, some nice burst early in the route tree so a little bit interested in him any of these other guys do anything for you (laughs) all right I'm gonna say that means no perfect (laughs) Uh, moving on to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Dan, we'll go back to you. 3.36. They take Will Greer, quarterback, West Virginia, Six-three-two-seventeen. 217. Cam also is obviously isn't going anywhere. He has his shoulder thing, but it seems it's okay. Uh you know, early reports, as much as you can trust them, is that Greer's picking up the offense very well. So uh, if, if nothing else, maybe he'll be a nice fill-in for Cam when he inevitably misses a game or two during the season. Uh, and, you know, maybe long-term uh, we have something there. Definitely one of my – I think he was my quarterback three in the pre-draft process, so I, I kind of like him there.
0: Yeah, I was a little bit farther down on Will Greer. He wasn't real high on my on my quarterback rankings going into the draft, and, and him falling to the third third round wasn't much of a surprise for me. It was all – all in the arm, you know. You throw those deep routes or deep outs at West Virginia, and they weren't. They didn't pop off the screen like when you watch guys like Carson Wentz or something like that in, in past years. So, uh, Greer was a little lower on the list. Currently, he's going 33rd in 12-team superflex or two quarterback leagues, according to MFL data, and that's a little bit too tight, ty- too high for me, even in those superflex leagues. There's other guys. Um, listed that below him that i i would rather go with really um you see guys like uh, riley ridley is below him in in adp even guys like hunter renfro i'd rather take a shot on him jarrett stidham another quarterback that's lower than him i'd rather go with guys like that uh benny snell jalen hurd they're all below will greer in superflex leagues there's 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 other guys uh outside of will greer and to be honest with you I'm not all that concerned with the injury and and all the the things that throw up red flags with Cam Newton. Um, It's not like an early season concern for me. So I I don't think there's an early uh, opportunity for playing time for Will Greer. I think he's a backup or a fill-in starter at best. So for me, it's a pass on Will Greer, even in those two quarterback and super flex leagues.
1: I share a lot of the same concerns about Greer and... Uh, I also agree that I'm not too worried about Cam Newton uh, in in his short-term future, but for the Panthers, I really I really like this pick. I mean, Greer is a guy who was uh, at least for a while talked about as a as a potential first rounder. They get him late in the third round, and this is a team that when when Cam did go down last year, we saw who Taylor Heineke. We saw. Uh, Kyle Allen. I mean, it it was really ugly. They had they had no backup plan, uh, and spending a late third rounder on a guy like Greer, he doesn't have to. Uh, he doesn't have to be the heir apparent for that pick to pay off. Just just as an insurance policy, I think it's it's a reasonable pick for them, uh, even if he does have some of the some of the concerns that Dan mentioned. So, um, I, I like the pick from a. From a Panthers perspective or a real football perspective, but I, I agree with Dan that it's a it's a pass for me.
2: Man, so I'm not even a future stash? Are you call you call or a, a stash? You guys calling them trash? Ryan, I got to hear you say it
1: in Superflex stash, sure, but in one quarterback leagues, certainly not not drafting him. <laughs> no,
2: nah, <No>, all trash. <laughs> All right, we'll move on to their pick in the fifth round, the 16th pick in the fifth round, Jordan Scarlett running back from Florida. You know, okay size, 5'11", 208, uh, good speed, you know, shows some nice contact balance. But uh, obviously with with, uh, Christian McCaffrey there, probably not going to see a lot of work uh, in, in the best case scenario, Dan.
0: Yeah, I think at best you're looking at maybe a handcuff spot with Scarlett, and even that is questionable. We're talking about a guy that's, Taken in the fourth or fifth or even sixth round of rookie drafts, I was looking at ADP and he goes as low as 66th overall. So those of you drafting five and six rounds, you might find uh, Jordan Scarlett available with your last pick. I guess at, you know there there are things to like about him the the 40 time, the explosion that he's shown in in drills and and when he lines up to run in a straight line. But if, if you take a look and watch him play, it seems like he's fast but runs into blockers and, and doesn't isn't all that decisive. And, and those are things that you don't want in a running back. So while well, he's on the same field or on the same team, at least, as Christian McCaffrey, I don't think any expectation should be that he's the same type of player, offers any kind of upside. I'll, I'll pass on Scarlett. He's, he's mostly trash for me.
1: I'm a little interested in Scarlett, mainly because of this landing spot. Uh, this time last year, all we heard was that the Panthers wanted to give Christian McCaffrey as many touches as he could handle, and and basically that's what they did. Part of the reason for that was because uh, the C.J. Anderson uh, signing did not work out for them, and, and once they let him go, McCaffrey was really all they had, so they, they didn't have many options. I was... Really interested to see how they would handle that uh, backup running back, or, or maybe just a more a more traditional running back versus McCaffrey. This uh, this off season. they drafted Jordan Scarlett, of course, and then looking ahead at their UDFA's, they also signed Elijah Holyfield. So both of these guys have have a lot of knocks on them, but they're they're both also suited to be those inside runners between the tackle runners and. And one of these guys is probably going to get some carries, um, so I'm stashing both of them in in those deep leagues just to see which one gets on the field.
2: Yeah, and, and I, maybe it's uh, biased, you know, from how we felt about him before the combine. But obviously, I, I kind of like Holyfield better than Scarlett. Uh, the combine destroyed him with that was a four seven eight forty, I think. Uh, but I mean, he still does not look that slow on film, so I, I don't know. I have a little bit of more confidence in Holyfield despite the, the draft capital issue. But, I mean, Carl was a fifth-round pick, so it's not like he has uh, a, ton, a ton of draft capital there. So, Dan, I don't know how you feel about Holyfield there. Uh, do you have more confidence in him than than Scarlett?
0: Yeah, I have a lot more confidence, really, just because I, I watched those guys run in, in college – And you saw Holyfield as that bruiser, the guy that keeps chugging his legs and and works hard for every yard, and and that seems like it has it's more likely to translate to the NFL. So while I agree with Ryan that one of these guys are going to get a shot, because Holyfield is incredibly cheap, almost free really, and not that Scarlett isn't really, uh, if I have that last roster spot, I'd rather throw it towards Ho- Holyfield and hope that he his game translates to the NFL because it, it doesn't seem to me that Scarlett's will just because of the – erratic play that he showed in college
2: so so in devi leagues i mean it's a it's, at least in every devi league i think that i'm in he's already on a roster would you be willing to go out and i don't know send a fourth round pick for holyfield
0: no no i i, I wouldn't it's it's really a it, it either way no matter which way you go you're talking about a a, a real lottery ticket you know totally. and and a lottery ticket to the extent of the powerball or something like that it's a one in a million <laughs> shot and and most likely you're looking at short-term opportunity maybe perhaps there's an injury with McCaffrey that gives one of these guys opportunity um you're, you're not looking at a long-term option in the backfield for the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I've done
1: a a handful of rookie drafts so far I think they were all four rounds uh Holyfield has not been drafted in any of them. I think maybe Jordan Scarlett was drafted in one. So so we're we're definitely talking about uh deep league stashes for both of these guys.
2: All right, let's move on to the Saints. A real easy one here. Uh in the 7th round they took a tight end, Elise Mac from Notre Dame 64249. Uh, you know, this is a landing spot that we always want one of these tight ends to go to. We were probably all dreaming of one of these top tight ends to go there from this class, uh, but it doesn't happen. They do get a little bit of an interesting guy and in, and Mac. Uh, you know, nice size, uh, a little I guess a little bit below average weight wise, but has has nice speed um, and moves around the formation a lot for for Notre Dame. So uh, a little bit interesting. Probably not going to do anything this year with with Cook in front of him, Ryan. But uh, what do what do you think about Mac?
1: Yeah, I like Mac a lot. He actually entered Notre Dame as as uh, one of the top tight ends in his draft class. That seems like a long time ago now. Um, he missed one year due to uh, due to grades, and uh, really his freshman year was kind of uh, I don't want to say his best year, but it it gave Devy players or, or Dynasty players who really follow college football that deeply gave us a lot of hope, and and he never really improve too much on that. So uh, I like him. He's He's got that pedigree. Of obviously, the situation is is great, but there's a reason he fell to the seventh round, and he was just never able to live up um, to his his recruiting rank, I guess, and, and we'll see if if he's able to best that now. It certainly won't be in twenty. Yeah, and because of Jericho.
0: all those reasons that you mentioned, Ryan, he's nothing more than a developmental prospect, that guy that you're looking – looking at maybe you hit the jackpot in a year or two, and he develops into something more than, uh, than that guy that's sitting behind waiting in the wings. Uh, I, th- I think there's the potential for that. So in 25, maybe 30-man-plus roster leagues, there's room for him on rosters. Uh, I suppose that makes him a, a, a stash, but, but only in those deep leagues, really.
2: That was that was my next question: stash or trash? So we'll we'll stash Mac May for maybe a season or two. Maybe maybe something works out with once Cook moves on. Uh, I mean, it seems likely that they would you know address that position another way. But you know maybe he can. Maybe in, maybe in, like, best ball touchdown-only leagues, you could you could look forward to using back. Uh, the UDFA list for these guys, a few interesting guys. Uh, little, jo- little Jordan Humphrey, who I cannot, I cannot stand that name. I'm sorry. We'll just call him LJ. Uh, you know, he had a really bad combine. He, there was jokes about him being, like, Daranya Wilson from several years ago. But he does land on the Saints, so, you know, there's always an opportunity there. Uh, Devin Ozigbo, another guy that had a little bit of buzz in the pre-draft process, and I like quite a bit, you know, if, if Latavius Murray doesn't work out, uh, as that bigger back in, uh, as a compliment to, to, uh, Alvin Kamara, then perhaps he can carve out a role there. And then some people really like Emmanuel Butler, wide receiver from Northern Arizona. Uh, any of these guys spark your interest, Dan?
0: Butler was the only guy that, that I really knew about coming into the draft. He, he was a guy that I thought maybe had a chance to be drafted, but since he didn't, I guess he's kind of faded for me. Uh, fringe, fringe, even, even guy to keep keep in mind for the future um, maybe he makes an impact down the road there is always the opportunity in in New Orleans that a guy that is not very highly thought of all of a sudden finds a role in that offense with that quarterback and that coach so just a little bit of maybe there
1: yeah i think we have to pay pay some attention to Zigbo uh, i know he was he was a favorite of many analysts entering the uh, the combine and the draft, and I, I wasn't necessarily one of those, but the landing spot, uh, even as a UDFA, is, is one we have to pay attention to since the Saints are, uh, are always among the top Uh, producers uh, at fantasy running back uh, numbers
0: and ozigbo was was a little bit of an underachiever for a few years at nebraska i got a lot of chances to watch him and there was lots of opportunity in nebraska not a lot of talent at the running back position finally ozigbo suddenly became this guy as a senior that that ran hard and and runs through tackles but he struggled so much about against quality opposition anytime he he'd come against a quality big Ten defense it, it'd be 16 carries for 39 yards or something like that and then he ate against the the low end composition of the big Ten or, or in the out of conference schedule so I don't have a lot of confidence in hiszigbo as a guy that watched him a lot but there, there is a lot of false hope is what I think with, with Ozigbo, with a lot of dynasty owners, because of that landing spot. We were kind of hoping uh, running back with land in New Orleans. It seems like he's a he, he was meant to be an undrafted free agent. He just gets a little bit of hype because of the landing spot for me.
2: All right, Tampa Bay Bucs. Uh, it's pretty ugly there too, uh, at least in terms of the drafted players. The only guy we we like, we can really even talk about for the drafted players is uh, took it in the sixth round with the thirty-fifth pick, Scott Miller, wide receiver, Bowling Green, five-nine-one seventy-four. You know, undersized, uh, but quick and fast. You know, There's not a whole lot of receiving options behind. Uh, Chris Godwin and Mike Edwin, Evans there, and OJ Howard, of course. So you know, maybe he finds his way into some slot role, but probably future trash for me. Brashad uh, Perriman, like mean, so so the, he's got. A, I guess he's got a, a chance to to earn a spot on the roster, maybe, but uh, probably trash for me, Dan. Yeah, we dig pretty deep in some
0: of the leagues that I play in and Scott Miller isn't a guy that I'm I'm looking at. He's tiny, five nine, one seventy four. Yeah. Uh maybe that translates for some as hey, maybe there's a chance as a slot guy. I'm rooting for him. I, I hope that little guy makes it <laughs> makes it work, but
2: but I don't have a lot of hope. Not still not as small as Marquise Brown, though. That's true.
1: Yeah, uh, I guess I'm probably sticking in that that future trash category as well. But I'm I'm a little bit intrigued, and again, it just has it has more to do with the landing spot. We we know they lost Adam Humphreys there. They brought in uh, Perriman, as you said. They also brought in an, another guy. Uh, again, looking ahead to the UDFAs, uh, Anthony Johnson, who I liked quite a bit. He's does not play that. That same slot role that that Miller might, but uh, again, just more competition uh, for touches uh, as a a receiver. And uh, and then, of course, Evans and Godwin, we don't expect these guys to see a ton of targets anyway uh, behind those two.
2: Yeah, a couple other interesting UDFAs, DeMarcus Lodge, the kind of the third receiver from uh, Metcalf and A.J. Brown uh, there at Ole Miss. And then a guy who I've been warming up to a lot is Bruce Anderson running back from North Dakota State. You may have more information on him, Dan, but I think he's probably already the best pass catching back on that roster if we're talking about Ronald Jones and uh, uh, Peyton Barber there. So maybe an interesting role for him.
0: Yeah, of the potential for a role, at least. And, and it's all because of that pass catching and that change of pace. He's a quick guy that can change directions really qu- quickly. Um, great cuts. If you if you watch him play in the Missouri Valley Conference, he looks awfully good. No, that that might be because of the competition that he's playing in that conference. I, I'm interested to see, and, and he's a guy that I'm collecting in leagues where I'm getting for really cheap or even free fourth-round pick type status. Um, A guy that's certainly worthy of the last roster spot because, like many Dynasty owners, I felt like Tampa Bay was, yet again, for the second straight year, a quality landing spot for a running back since they avoided that position in the draft, but added Anderson, who many considered to be one of the top free agent ads in in, in the undrafted class. Um, it seems like that's a nice fit, and there's a potential role for him. So, so adding him isn't a bad decision in deep enough leagues that can roster him.
1: Yeah, I think Anderson is is definitely a stash, and and maybe even maybe even more than that. I don't think we've had a cash player yet, have we, Matt? Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, we have actually. Yeah, with with that competition or, or lack of competition on the depth chart, and, and of course people certainly still have uh, have have some hope for Ronald Jones, and, and that's understandable. But um, the it, it was it was pretty ugly after that first year, obviously. Um, so I mean, to me, when I look at Anderson, Barber, Ronald Jones, Anderson has as good a shot at playing time as as any of those guys.
2: Yep. I definitely agree there. All right. Let's move to the AFC South Houston Texans. Finally player. We, we like Ryan Cahill worrying, at uh, from San Diego State, tight end, third round with a twenty second pick, uh, kind of an athletic freak. hasn't been playing that position that long, uh, so some upside there. And a TE group that that is uh, a little bit uninspiring. Jordan Thomas made some noise a little bit last year. Uh, they also drafted Jordan Akins last year, so they've been trying to find an answer at that spot for for uh, uh, for a while now, and kind of keep throwing darts with these with these kind of later round guys. What do you think about Waring, Ryan?
1: Yeah, I really like I really like wearing quite a bit, um, and like him even more when you look at that depth chart. They recently cut Ryan Griffin, who was their starter the past couple of years. He had uh, had some off field stuff, and uh, and on the field just wasn't really making a difference, to be honest. So w- with these three young guys, uh, I say young guys. I think Akins is uh, already twenty six or twenty seven as a second year player, but uh, with these. Th- these three guys that they've added the past two years in the draft, we can expect one of those to emerge, and, and I think it's going to be Kali Waring.
0: And I agree. Uh, if there's a guy that on the roster that's going to emerge and, and start catching passes and, and become useful for dynasty ownings, it's probably Waring, but because he was picked in the third round and because... You know we, we really didn't know much about him until he was drafted or at least a lot of us didn't. He was kind of a fringe player that that there was some upside and it certainly looks like his best football is probably ahead of him. He continues to develop and and has gotten better and was a raw prospect even when he got to San Diego State. I really think there's a chance that that he develops into into something more than than just that guy that that sits at the end of your bench. However, he he's in a long line of these guys in Houston, uh athletic guys that look like they have upside, might show something here and there, but I'm not I'm not necessarily sold on it. I, there's no guarantees with Waring. Uh the one thing that he's got going in this episode, I guess, is that that he's the one guy that that really you start feeling like there's there's something in his future and uh, man we've had a lot of duds to this point so i, I guess are we are we going to call him a stash or is he something he's more a than stash that for
2: sure i think he's definitely a stash
0: <laughs> yeah. we're really reaching if we call him anything more than that
2: yeah but he he, he does go on the all-name team though he has six names so go look go look that up and see if you can pronounce them all. Uh, next guy, Cullen Cullen Gl- I have no idea. That's probably not right. Seventh round, sixth pick, running back from Texas A&M. Uh, it's probably not much here. Maybe a special teamers. Uh, he was actually a, a linebacker converted to fullback before the 2018 season. Uh, so not not nothing here for me, Ryan. How about you?
1: Nope just a uh, just a fullback. I hope because I've never heard of him.
2: Yeah yeah he's a He's a blocker. Yeah, U UDFA I, as someone that I actually like again. Demaryius Crockett might be my favorite running back that we've talked about so far outside of uh, Bruce Anderson. Uh, a big guy, fast guy, five star recruit going into Missouri. You know, got some injuries, some issues with the coaches, but with that depth chart behind Lamar Miller, uh, I'm not. I've never been that into. De- uh, uh, Deonta Foreman, Deonta Foreman, Deontay Foreman uh, is coming off of that Achilles injury too early in his career. So uh, Crockett's a guy that I'm I'm looking to scoop up cheap in my rookie drafts.
1: I agree. I think that's a good call. Another guy who was uh, a top recruit, as you mentioned, and had a lot of success early in, in in devi leagues like we play in. Guys, he was he was one of the hot names after his uh, after his freshman year, and uh, of course that didn't quite pay off yet. But I, I do think the landing spot could help him at the very least. I think he makes this team and then we'll see what happens. And I
2: echo those sentiments. All right, guys, we finally have somebody that we're going to draft in the first round of our rookie draft, the Colts, Paris Campbell taken in the second round, 27th pick six foot two Oh five. We know the deal with him. Uh, Absolute cash, right, Ryan?
1: Definite cash. Yeah. Eventually, at least, um, I'm just not sure what things are going to look like uh, in in his first year in his rookie season in 2019, as far as how that offense plays out. But we know they need targets. Uh, they they had nothing uh, at the receiver position after Ty Hilton a year ago, so they they add Paris Campbell, they sign uh, Devin Funchess, and uh, a- according to everything we've seen and heard, this was this was a pick that uh that their coaching staff was was just raving about and uh, he seemed like the one guy they had to have i kind of think they they maybe risked it a little bit they uh they waited until the end of the second but they got their guy and uh i'm I'm excited about this landing spot
0: yeah i am too in fact if there was a there was an ideal landing spot for karis Paris Campbell to end up in. I think it was Indianapolis, and and yeah, they did wait a little bit longer. I think a lot of us probably saw those videos from YouTube and and links on Twitter that showed that front office and how excited they were when they made that selection. Uh, that jumped off to me as well. They really wanted Paris Campbell. I think they see a role and they they see a field stretcher that can make an impact both underneath and out on the perimeter and 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 deep down the field. So. I know a lot of analysts and and a lot of guys that look closely at these prospects like to knock his route running, but I think I've said it before on the podcast. He was, Ohio State receivers are not asked to be sharp route runners and and make those quick twitch, change of direction type of plays to get open. They're, They're asked to play within the offense, catch those bubble screens, run those drags, become open because of the offense, not necessarily their skills. When he did get those chances... To show that skill and that that quick twitch ability, the ability to change directions and create separation, he was good at those things. Now, I know that only happened a handful of times. But we have to take what we can get with Paris Campbell. And and I listened to the blueprint last week with with you and Williamson. Ryan, you guys were talking a little bit about his, maybe Paris Campbell's lack of opportunity in year one and and the other receivers that are there, like you mentioned here. But uh, it seems to me that Paris Campbell like we we've said in the here just recently there's a role for him and they're they're looking to get the ball in his hands with that offense and that quarterback and and all the things that are going on in Indianapolis that's an exciting proposition I have him all the way up in the top six in my rankings and and I'm getting them all over the place because he's a playmaker just waiting to happen in Indy.
2: Uh, and, again, I've been kind of beating this drum for a couple of weeks now, but Penny Hart, uh, UDFA out of Georgia State, I, I really like this, this guy, you guys. I think he can – if Paris Campbell isn't going to start in, out in the slot, uh, if they start to try to use him outside a little bit, then uh, I think Hart could really take over the slot role for this. A uh, little bit undersized, a 5'8", 180 or so, uh, but just aggressive at the catch point. Attacks defensive backs. uh I don't know. I I, I I don't want to say I like him more than Andy Isabella, but I I, I do a little bit despite the draft capital difference. I know that is probably a hot take, uh, but uh, I, I really like this guy. And then Ashton Doolin is another guy that some of these uh, some scouts and, and analysts are, are interested in. Ryan.
1: Yeah. Again, w- with this landing spot, Andrew Luck makes everybody better on that roster. So e- even these UDFA's, we have to be uh, at least paying some attention to. Uh, I don't think I'm in any leagues deep enough to, to take a chance on either of these guys yet, but I'll certainly be watching them.
0: I am. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to take a shot on Hard. I'm, I'm on board just like you are, Matt. I, you mentioned Andy's Isabella, poor man's Andy Isabella, poor man's Nicole Hardman, that kind of guy that, that could develop and, and maybe even get an opportunity in year one. He was another guy that I thought had the potential to be drafted and kind of fit into the league in that that role that we see throughout the league of that small slot guy that can move around quickly and and maybe even get over the top from time to time so harts a guy that another one that it seems like the what we've been talking about throughout this podcast if you if you have that open roster spot you could you could find worse than penny hart
2: yeah, he, I mean, I think the fact that he didn't get a combine invite, which is just ridiculous, uh, probably hurt his draft stock a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I like, like him quite a bit, and he's definitely a stash for me. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. In the third round of the fifth pick, they took Josh Oliver, tight end from San Jose State. Uh, again, a little bit undersized, weight-wise, but uh, long. Uh, it's got some speed to him. Uh, again, another team that is constantly looking for a tight end. They've tried. Seems like they've tried everything at that position. Honestly, for Jacksonville, there you got Nick Foles there, who you know, obviously, it was a little bit better talent with Zach Ertz and and Dallas Goddard. But definitely used the tight end position when he was in Philadelphia. There, Dan, what do you think about Josh Oliver?
0: Yeah, Oliver was a guy I liked coming into the draft, and and obviously the draft capital and the landing spot aren't so bad when you consider the quarterback in Jacksonville and and the need at the position. So uh, with all that said, it still feels like he's a developmental guy that might need a little bit of time. He's athletic, and he's really good at the catch point. It seems like if the ball gets close to him, he comes down to it. Not that great after the catch, but not all that many tight ends are but really feels like a developmental guy that that might take a year or two, but if he does develop and continue to improve, could be a useful asset to dynasty owners down the road.
1: Yeah, I I pretty much agree. I think dynasty owners, we always get caught up overvaluing and overrating these rookies, what they can do uh, in in the short term, and I I think that's certainly true at the tight end position. So you look at this depth chart, and it's Jeff Swaim and – O'Shaughnessy and just nobody that, nobody that we really care about, honestly. So we, we automatically think Josh Oliver can start in year one and (laughs) you know, maybe, but that's probably not realistic. What, what Dan said is, is probably the truth that I needed to hear, but I do like, I definitely like Oliver as, uh, at least as a stash. And if he can, you know, maybe, maybe he can overcome that depth chart and,
2: and, uh, be that year one starter. In the fifth round, they took Raquel Armstead, running back from Temple, 5'11", 220. Uh, uh, you know, Fournette is going to miss games. He, I mean, I, I hope he doesn't, but I, I think he probably will again, and not much really behind him. They signed off for blue. My old man, Crush Thomas Rawls, is still floating around. Uh, but there's a chance Ra- Raquel Armstead could, could get on the field in year one for sure, Ryan.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is this is a guy that will see the field uh, in, in his rookie year, and depending on – what Knucklehead Leonard Fournette does, maybe he'll see the field a lot. Yeah. You know, they uh, they they let basically all of their backups go, and this this seems to be their plan for that number two spot. So this is a guy who's, uh, I think, being. Severely underdrafted in these early dynasty rookie drafts.
0: Right, and and he has short-term upside to go along with the ups- upside that's long-term. Uh, he's a hammer that f- certainly fits that offense. A guy that, that seems to, you know, again, if you could pick a team for him to land on, they, they need another guy be, behind their starter to be that thumper, that guy that can fill that role when their guy is out. And I, I think... He can probably do that. He he was pretty impressive, and and when you saw that forty yard dash of a four four five, that's impressive for a guy that that has that history of being a between the tackles thumper and, and downhill guy that that likes to lower his pads and get physical with defensive backs, especially uh, once he gets to the second and third level. So I I really like it and agree with Ryan that he's undervalued and a guy that more owners should be targeting. Because he's going in round three, and that, that's pretty cheap for a guy that's sure to get on the field and has some upside.
2: And in the sixth round, uh, Gardner Minshew, quarterback, Washington State. Uh, I mean, I guess he's the backup. They let Bortles go, so there's not a whole lot behind Foles, Tanner Lee, Alex McG- McG- McGough. Uh, so sixth round guy, uh, streaky passer, uh, I don't know. I don't have much faith for him. He'll, he'll certainly be the backup, I think, in, in year one, maybe or year, maybe year two, uh, but probably future trash for me.
0: Yeah, he he was a really an unknown or a guy that was kind of cast away before he landed in Washington State and played in that offense with that coach. Uh, one big season jettisoned him up to draftable and and suddenly made him a potential backup quarterback, maybe carves out a role at some point as that backup but I don't I don't think many dynasty owners should have expectations beyond that
1: yeah I don't really either but uh, I think that's a pretty decent spot to land in Uh, we we saw the success uh, Nick Foles had over the past couple years in Philly but before that he really didn't have a ton of success around the league so I mean is it is it crazy to think that he could lose his job at some point I don't think it is They've got John De- Filippo as their offensive coordinator there, which is uh, in some ways promising. In some ways, maybe, uh, maybe not for Minshew because he, of course, was uh, he was with Foles in Philly as well. So maybe there's uh, uh, some allegiance there. We would think, uh, but we also saw some uh, some good work with him and from the quarterback position. So. Feels like a good spot for Minshew. Definitely not drafting him in one quarterback or probably even two quarterback leagues, honestly. So th- another just really deep stash.
2: Uh, a pretty uninspiring UDFA class for me too, guys. Any Anyone here of note for you?
1: Uh, Tyree Brady has had a good career at Marshall. Uh, really thought for a, a while that he would get drafted. But this, we've talked about it before, this Jacksonville wide receiver group is is just ugly from top to bottom, I think.
2: Um, So maybe he fits in, but he feels like, just one of the guys there. Right. Uh so to so two stashes from Jacksonville and, and a bunch of trash. Uh all right, Titans, last team in this exercise. Uh we got another player we can actually talk about sort of here. Ryan, two in the second round, nineteenth pick, uh AJ Brown, wide receiver Ole Miss, six one, two twenty six. Very disappointing landing spot in general for me, but I know you are already ready to crown him the wide receiver one there for Tennessee.
1: Yeah, he is the wide receiver one. <laughs> <laughs> he's the best wide receiver on the roster. Um, no, I, I think it's fair to be disappointed in the landing spot. It certainly hurt his value. Uh, many people, including our buddy Dan, were considering him a, a possible one hundred and one pick before that landing spot and before uh, before the draft. And, and now he's—I've seen him fall to the eight, nine, ten spot in in some rookie drafts. I, I took him just yesterday uh, with the fifth overall pick and. Was glad to do that. So I'm, I'm still a believer. As far as that landing spot, like I already kind of alluded to, I, I, I think he's going to be better than Corey Davis. So not, not a ton of concern with being paired with Davis there. And, and the Marcus Mariota thing, Mariota is either going to improve and, and be what we thought he was or he's going to be gone after the 2019 season. So, so either way, when you're thinking long term with AJ Brown, I'm not concerned about Mariota.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. I finally came to terms with Ryan that that if he doesn't improve, he's going to be gone, and we're going to get somebody else in there, whether that be a rookie or a veteran. There, there's going to be a better chance uh, for AJ Brown and, and the rest of those those receivers in Tennessee, including Davis, to improve. So while I agree that A.J. Brown is the top receiver in Tennessee, uh, I I still have those hesitations because of the quarterback situation. But slowly, since the NFL draft, and I was that guy that was banging the table for A.J. Brown to be that top receiver in the class, I still think he is the most talented receiver and has the biggest upside of this class. Uh, I, I've slowly been walking him up my rankings and he, he's slowly moving into the middle of the first round. Uh,
2: one interesting guy in the UDFA class for Tennessee, Alex Barnes running back Kansas state uh, kind of got a little bit of buzz from the combine, you know, ran pretty well, uh, impressive three cone sub seven, six, nine, five, three cone, uh, at his size, six foot two twenty six. So you know, if if Derrick Henry isn't a thing and and Dion Lewis continues, I mean, I guess he stayed relatively healthy last year, but historically hasn't been the case. You know, that, again, there's a chance that Barnes makes the roster and can make some noise. I don't really think his his measurables matched up to the to the to the film, but uh, you know, a lot of people like him. Uh, anything else there, guys?
1: I was just surprised he didn't get drafted after that combine, yeah. honestly. So uh, in 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 that sense, it. Feels like a, uh, a, a nice pickup for the Titans. Uh, I think he's he's versatile enough that I think he can be uh, kind of an insurance or a backup role for both of those guys, both Lewis and Derrick Henry.
0: But overall, just a guy to, keep, to monitor and keep an eye on unless you're in a really deep league. Uh, I still think that th- those roles are pretty enforced in Tennessee. Uh, perhaps because of an injury, Barnes could get a chance down the road, so... That'll keep him on our radar, but anything more than that is probably getting a little presumptuous.
2: Yeah, so cash for A.J. Brown, maybe a stash for Barnes, maybe trash for Dan, but I think think I'll call him a stash. Okay, here we go. We're going to do a really, really extremely ugly 12-pick, one-round mock draft with these two divisions, AFC and NFC South. I got lucky and got the first pick, so pretty easy for me. I'm going to take Paris Campbell at 101 in this draft. Ryan's up next.
1: And I will take AJ Brown.
2: Good luck, Dan. That, that's it.
0: It's over, right? <laughs> <laughs> Should be all done beyond that. Man, it, I wish it was a decision, but I, I hate to say it, but it's an obvious number three pick for me. I'm going to take Raquel Armstead, and <laughs> and that, that, there's a big teardrop
2: in this, tra- in this uh, draft. There definitely is. That would have been my pick there at three as well. Uh, I'll take, you know, I, I should probably take a guy that Ryan, I think Ryan's going to take, but I'm going to take Bruce Anderson uh, just for the reasons we talked about and his opportun- potential opportunity in Tampa.
1: Wow, this really is ugly. <laughs> uh, there, there's a couple of players that I've been targeting in the third and, or even fourth round of my draft so far. They're both uh, in this player pool. I'm going to take one of them now, Josh Oliver, uh, at five overall.
0: Man, you really got me there, Matt. I thought for sure Anderson would slip to me at six. I guess, you know, if you look at ADP, he is way down there. It, it takes a pretty savvy owner for to take Anderson, so I guess you are that, Matt. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to go with Texans tight uh, end Kahale Warring. However you pronounce his name, that's who I'm taking.
2: That's Honestly, that's who I thought Ryan was going to take, and that's who I was going to take if you didn't take him here. So... I have a feeling you're gonna get me again, Matt. You think ooh, I gotta think about it for a second then. I'll take uh, man. I'll take gosh. I'm gonna take Demario Crockett. I don't think that's your guy, but I'm gonna take Crockett there at one oh seven in this exercise.
0: Well he was my guy that I was gonna take the next time around. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess he got me, but but it's ahead of time.
2: Alright,
1: I'm gonna go with Quadre Allison, Falcon's running back.
0: Okay, so I do get the guy that I, I wanted here. I'm going to take Penny Hart, and because oh. he landed in that spot with that quarterback, I think there's immediate upside and long term upside as a slot guy for part.
2: Yeah, you got me. I totally spaced on Hart. That was dumb, especially since he's the guy that <laughs> I'm the guy pumping him up. Uh, One ten, the last pick in this in this exercise for me, I'll take. I'll just I'll just I'll just take Devin Ozigbo and, and be done with it, and take the landing spot.
0: We're all taking landing spots, man.
1: <laughs> I, I do feel like that was the theme of, of this show. I, I don't really like this guy, but I like the landing spot. <laughs> yeah, um, It's a tough choice at 11. There's so many guys I still want. Uh, <laughs> I think I'll go with uh, another landing spot pick. I'll go with Jordan Scarlett uh, from the Panthers.
2: Dan, wrap us up. I guess I'm going to take Alex Barnes because of the landing spot as well. There you go. Uh, we actually have uh, about 10 minutes left or so, so we're going to go through some listener questions real quick. we got a, got a few of those. Uh, first up, uh, I'll throw this one out to, to Dan, to you first. Rich says, how does Haskins, Dwayne Haskins rank in Superflex leagues for you, and what is his f- future worth uh, in, in terms of draft picks in 2020 and 2021?
0: Well, I think because so many dynasty owners are – valuing 2020 picks at a higher level than they are even 2019 picks or at least it seems that way from my perspective that his value is is in the 2019 class right now and and you know I think uh, I, I looked at Superflex ADP from MFL actual drafts that are going on he's going fifth in these rookie drafts that seems about right to me maybe I'd slot him in sixth right along the lines of David Montgomery and DK Metcalf, those types of guys, um, really in that tier with, with all those players. Um, fifth seems like a pretty good spot for me. If I was looking at trying to to move him for a future first, I would want a pretty high one if it were me in a super flex league, but but I value the quarterback position a little bit more than others in, in super flex, I guess.
1: Yeah, I do as well. I, I actually would rank him uh fourth in the superflex format in, the, in this draft class. So that that would be behind Murray and Jacobs and Harry. So uh, right in there with with Sanders and AJ Brown and Montgomery for me. As far as future picks, I don't know, I would I would have a hard time, Dan, because of what you mentioned with with this expectation and, and the value of these 2020 picks, I would have a hard time buying him for a, a pick if I thought it was going to be top 5 or 6.
2: Yeah, you guys are a little higher than on him, me than him on him than me. <laughs> In this rookie class I still would rather have Sanders above him for sure I think I probably rather have Metcalf too so I think he's going to slot in at like the 106 107 range for me even even with the super flex designation there uh, in terms of picks I agree with Ryan I would not move a potential top 20 or top six uh, 2020 pick 2021 you're getting a little farther out I guess I would give up a future first first there for Haskins if especially if I needed a quarterback in a super flex setting uh, let's go to lineups and chill Ryan why is Andy Isabella go- Going in the late first now.
1: Well, I I, I think um, I I think people are. uh, First of all, I I don't think I've seen him go in the late first. Uh, Maybe maybe in one draft, but uh, I I think people are really getting excited about that Arizona offense. And sometimes the more the more time, the, the further we get away from the draft, we're just giving just giving the hype time to build. And obviously, Kyler Murray has a ton of hype around him. We're seeing him being drafted almost regularly in the first round of one quarterback leagues and, and certainly at the top spot of Superflex and two quarterback leagues. So I, I think Dynasty owners are getting excited about that entire offense. Hakeem Butler is. Uh, his ADP is growing, moving back up after uh, his fall to the fourth round. Isabella certainly gaining value, moving up draft boards, as, as is Murray. So I, I really think it's just a product of, of the hype and the excitement for what that Cardinals offense could be in 2019 and beyond.
0: So you did a great job answering the question there, Ryan. I think the real question, the follow-up is, does, does he belong there, and do you agree with some of that hype?
1: I, I guess I would have that cop out answer of, of from, from 8 to 15 is, is a pretty big tier for me. maybe even earlier than eight, maybe maybe as high as five or six. So yep. I, I don't have any problem taking him uh, in that range. I know personally I've had uh, I've had multiple picks around 10, 11 or 12 this year and I took Nicole Hardman early on in a couple of drafts. Uh, I took your guy, Paris Campbell, lately in a couple of drafts. Uh, I took both of those guys over, Andy Isabella. And of all of these guys that we're talking about, and there's, there's several others that I haven't mentioned, but all of those players in that range, Isabella is the one that I've that I've seen falling to the middle of the second round. So I, I've seen him fall to 18 a couple of times. And that doesn't happen with with Hardman. That doesn't happen with... Campbell or Fant or Hawkinson.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a reflection of the muddy water that's that we see in Arizona. There's so many options at wide receiver. Even just with this rookie class because Hakeem Butler is one of those guys in that top 20 that a lot of us talk about and we've seen him go as high as you know the late first round as well so it's kind of pick your poison or or which flavor do you like better with those Arizona receivers I can get hyped up with that Arizona offense as well I like what's going on down there in the desert but because there's so many options including some veterans there in Arizona, I don't know if I'm willing to go as high as, as the top 12 with Andy Isabella. You mentioned that you see him going in, in the 18 range, sometimes even a little bit lower than that. I'm a lot more comfortable taking Isabella down there.
2: Dan, yeah, that was my next question for you guys, actually. Uh, you know, Draft Capital obviously says that we should be taking Isabella first, but I don't know. Part of me kind of wants Butler.
1: Yeah, and Butler's going. Butler has a higher ADP.
2: Really,
0: Butler okay. has a higher ADP, and you know maybe that's a reflection of how we felt about him going into the draft, or maybe even yeah. as a it's Debbie a prospect over the last few years. Either way, it's muddy water to me. Like I mentioned, and and there's just so much going on there that that I could see myself if I was in the same situation twice and looking at those Arizona
2: receivers, hedging and going one apiece. All right, we'll do one more. This is from Dano. Not the, not our Dano, but some other Dan Dasho. <laughs> he says he always likes a sophomore versus rookie comparison. So uh, let's take the first part of his question. Where would Gasecki fall in this class of tight ends? So how would you re-rank, let's say, the, the top few from, I guess, 2018? Uh, with, uh, with with this class?
0: Oh, that's a brutal question because I, I think... <laughs> it is. Ryan, you were on board. You were on the Kaseki train. I know I was yeah. as well. I've been a fan of him for a couple of years now. Watching him at Penn State, he looked like that next dynamic downfield threat in the NFL that, that could make some noise. But then that rookie season was so disappointing that a lot of us jumped off that bandwagon. So now we're, we're left... Kind of trying to pick up the pieces and and figure out where we're at with with him. I, I guess that's the long winded way of, of dragging on enough that that Give I can us an answer Dan. Oh, man, he falls in the Irv Smith, Jay Sternberger conversation. I think I still like Fant a little bit more than that. I I think about how excited I was about him and his upside before he landed in Miami and now how I feel about Fant landing in Denver and they're pretty similar so um, maybe he falls at three just above the Smith-Sternberger combination there but certainly not in the same conversation as TJ Hawkinson for me.
1: Well I think there's a couple different ways to think about the question and it is it asking what we thought of gasecki a year ago versus what we think of these rookies now or is it now a year in what we've seen from gasecki if that's the case then he's certainly behind hawkinson fant and irv smith for me Uh, maybe behind jay sternberger and he's also going to be behind some of his uh, some of his classmates in that 2018 group uh, mark andrews Ian Thomas, Chris Herndon; those are all guys that are, are at the very least in that same range uh, as as Gusecki now. So uh, he's obviously taken a hit, but even just looking at this rookie tight end class, thinking about last year's tight end class, and uh, we didn't even mention Hayden Hurst, who uh, was was one of the one of the top tight ends drafted last year. Uh, it's it's exciting because. These past couple of seasons have been rough for the tight end position in general, so to see uh, to see some new blood is is much needed.
2: Yeah, I'm excited. Like it just seems like, and, and obviously it's May. So we we and, and once we hit like November, we might say, yeah, the tight end position is still trash. But right now in May, it feels like it's a lot deeper. At least that that back, especially the back half end of that that tight end one group feels a lot deeper right now. Uh, I'll agree with you guys for the most part. I think he's probably four or five for me if we're talking about him with the rest of this class. Definitely behind those top two and Fant and Hawkinson. Uh, Probably behind Irv Smith, and and like you said, Ryan, maybe behind Sternberger as well, uh, depending on the role he gets uh, in Green Bay this year. Uh, But that's going to do it for this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. One more reminder about the Listener League. If you'd like a chance to get into that, check out the at DLF podcast account. Retweet uh, the the tweet that's about the Listener League. Follow Dan at DMiler22. Follow Ryan at RyanMC.com. 23 and follow myself at Matt price, F and you will get a chance to get into one of those three available spots in our listener league for Ryan for Dan. I'm Matt. We'll talk to you guys next week on the DLF dynasty podcast. We kind of crushed that, boys.